Well, today I'm going to, I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit of a different type of message. You may not think so. <laughs> I've noticed that a lot of people say, it's going to be different today, and it's kind of the same deal, but it's a different approach. I want to share with you um, what I'm praying for CIL, what I'm praying for this church. Now, immediately when you hear a sermon like this, or you, you understand what the topic's going to be, it can feel kind of disappointing because, you know, if, if life is challenging right now and you came into this place just hoping for that word from God that applies to you, you don't really want to hear a message about the church organization or, or the church advancement. And that's understandable. I mean, when your marriage is falling apart, when you feel like your singleness is overwhelming, when your job is really difficult to go to, when your finances are upside down, you just want some relief and some light to your situation. And I'm aware of that. And that's why I want you to hear this sermon through a different filter. Because when I, when I talk about my prayers for CIL, I'm not praying about an organization or a brand. I'm praying about you. I'm praying about you because you are, you are the church. The church is not a building. We're thankful for the building. The church is not paperwork we file with the state and all of the different business things that have to occur. The church is you. So when, when I pray and say, these are the things that, that I, I pray for CIL, I'm praying for you. And so this is what I'm, I'm believing, that God's going to speak to your situation by his supernatural power, by the Holy Spirit taking these scriptures, and it's going to really speak into what you need, and it's going to open your heart to Jesus. Because a lot of times we carry these burdens alone and by ourselves and maybe sometimes we don't even understand what the burdens are. We, don't artic- we can't articulate them. And so Jesus never has a chance to come and, and touch our deepest needs. And, and what I'm believing is that, that this teaching today will open you up and give you great, great hope for your future. Here's the first thing. I want you to write it down. How many know that? If you take notes, you remember it better. It's called active learning. So humor me, bring a pen to church, and if you don't take notes, fake it. Make a to-do list for the week, because that's a good thing, too. I know also some of you are looking at version, and it's somewhat there, but hey, I believe God's got revelation. He's going to show you something just for you. So that's just something that helps me. Uh, I carry around a little book, and, um, and, and when I have it with me, I take notes every time. Every time I hear someone speak publicly, if I have that, I take that little book with me. Um, and then, um, well, anyway, I'm, I'm going to get lost in the woods here. <laughs> just, just, just a good thing. Just a good thing. May we please the Lord. This is my heart for you, and this is God's heart for you. That we would just care that God would be pleased with our lives and pleased with our conduct and pleased with how we speak 
I'm pleased with how we interact with one another. I'm pleased with how we spend our money. I'm pleased with our, our attitude towards culture, our attitude towards people who don't know God. That we would please the Lord. And, and frankly, we don't hear enough about that. The, the very importance of God looking at my heart and looking at us as a people that we're creating a culture and, and God just to smile upon us. Say, I like her. I like him. I like them. Now, we know that God loves us unconditionally. I know that. But there's something about just pleasing the Lord where the Lord's saying, I am seeing this individual walk in what I have designed them to do, applying the scripture to their lives. So the first scripture I want us to look at is not even in your notes. So venture off. Another good reason to bring a pen to church. I guess we'll buy you some pens. How about that? We'll buy you some pens and put them in the seats or something. And they will be blue ink pen because that's God's will. Black ink pen is not cool at all. Blue differentiates. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse four. Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Isn't that beautiful language? We're trusted with the gospel. Young life has been trusted with the gospel. You guys don't just gather kids and play games. You do that because you've been entrusted with the gospel. You guys, a couple of billion people don't, don't know who Jesus is. We've been entrusted with the gospel. Don't take for granted this faith. Don't take for granted your Bible. Don't take for granted this church. It's been entrusted to us. We think, I know I've said this before, but I just want to say it again. We are so immature that we think God is so lucky to get our love. Isn't that just silly? The lack of humility? We've been entrusted with this gospel. So we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. This idea that God would look upon our hearts and, and we invite his examination and we invite his scrutiny and we invite his correction and the smile of God is on us because we are living out this faith. We'll skip Galatians 1.10, which is one of my favorite, one of my life verses, but you can read it on your own. But Ephesians 5, 8, and 10 says, for you were once, you were once darkness. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Look at verse 10, which is a key verse. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. <laughs> Ask in your life, does this please the Lord? Does this please the Lord? And I'm telling you, when you begin to open yourself up to that, you'll begin to see that the Holy Spirit cares about the little things in your life. And so that's when you're really living out Romans 12, 2, that you're living sacrifice, that you're not just getting God off your case because you're following five to six moral directives that, that causes you to live in self-righteousness and spiritual pride. You're saying, God, scrutinize every single thing that I do. And it's a wonderful, beautiful way to live. Some of you are like, I don't want to live that way. That sounds like pressure. It's not pressure, it's opportunity. 
because his will is better than your will. His perspective is better than your perspective. And it is a gateway to joy in your life. God increases the joy in your life when you're fully submitted to him. And if you think you're fully submitted to him, you're not fully submitted to him. Because I promise you is that every day there's a chance to let his light shine on our hearts and there's more darkness in, in that place in, in our hearts than we, we think. But in humility, we say, God, your light is good and, and I'm enjoying your scrutiny, Lord. I'm enjoying your evaluation. What you say about me is good, Lord. It is good for my soul when I don't measure up because you love me so much that you fill in that gap uh, between who I am and who you want me to be. And this is so hard because we're so impressed with ourselves. We like us. And, and while a healthy self-image is, is good and and we know there's great value in that and we can approach the gospel through that prism and it would be a different type of sermon and an equally effective one. But the, the counter argument to that is when we swing so far that we never let the Holy Spirit convict us because we are too impressed with ourselves. And I'm just telling you, when, when you begin, when people start talking about how 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 impressive you are and what integrity you have and, and, and how God's using you. And, and you just watch, you watch. That is, a, that is a, a, a place for the enemy to get his foot into your life and pride will blind you to the, the type of scrutiny or the type of, of invitation God wants to include you in your life. So yeah, it happened to me yesterday. I wasn't gonna tell you this, but here we go. Why not? I was at our, our outreach, our back-to-school blessing. Thank you for your generosity to that. Uh, we gave more than we ever gave. More than we ever gave. Now, we spent more than we ever spent. So if you, if you want to help us fill that gap, the Lord, the, we, we could use your donations, but, but God's providing for us. So we're not worried about that. And um, something happened to me that irritated me, and I just mouthed off about it. And I had a friend of mine standing near me, so as, as the, the, the morning went off, I felt the Holy Spirit convicting me. So I went to my friend, and I said, hey, you know, what I said earlier wasn't, wasn't correct. And he, he, he said something that meant a lot to me. He said, man, don't worry about it. He's like, I want you to be yourself with me. You're not just this, this pastor who has to be perfect. You know, I'm a safe place for you, which I thought was just a, a beautiful and generous uh, perspective on his, on his part. But I said to him, this is not about image management. I'm not trying to make myself look better to you. The Holy Spirit has told me to apologize for that. This is, this is guys, and, and, and you know, this, that's a best day, okay? So that's a good, it's good to give a sermon illustration when it's on your, when your best. But this is what I'm talking about is, is, is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I wish I, I would do that more. I wish I'd done that more. But sensitivity, say, I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. And it doesn't matter if everyone else thinks it's cool that, that, uh, that I said something funny. If the Holy Spirit says, that's not cool because you are degrading somebody, then I need to let the scrutiny of the Lord, and I'm, I need to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. So, so don't let the, the standards even of the community of faith be lowered, and you're not really pleasing the Lord. And the Lord will begin to change that. He'll begin to make that known. Here's number two. 
to grow in RDM. What's RDM? How many know that the Lord uses acronyms to help us remember stuff? I've been praying this over your life for some years now. Roots, depth, maturity. RDM. Pray with me. Because I tell you what's just just killing the soul of America, and, and I mean this, is shallow Christianity. It's killing the soul of America. We have, we have nothing to offer if we're such shallow people that, that we, there's no light in us anymore. And so it was in 2015, in, in, in the congregation. And I'm not saying I've done the best at that, but, but it, it changed kind of the direction of our, our church just very slightly. In fact, no one even felt it. No one even felt that. I remember Aubrey and I talking about it, and he really picked up on it and encouraged me in this. It was his first year with us, and he just encouraged me. He said, this is good, Aaron. Keep calling out maturity in people. But it just, it just changed us just a little bit because I'm going to tell you, shortcuts we take for growth may add people, but it may, we may lose our soul. I'm talking about us now. I'm talking about this church. I'm not talking about any other. Don't think about any other church. You think about this church. And, and if, if we, you know, if we as believers now, as individual believers, if we get complacent in Zion, we get complacent in the place where religious activity is going, and it just gets so easy and so comfortable, and we're just able to have like this convenient thing with Jesus, and there's no conviction, no repentance, no scrutiny, no challenge to our behavior, there's no call for sacrifice, there's no uh, deepening in maturity, then we're just going to kind of float our way through this life, and then the enemy, he, he may have lost the battle for our souls, but he won the battle for our potential, I love living in the suburbs. I've lived in the suburbs, suburbs all my life. Even in college, I went to college in the suburbs of Kansas City. And so this is, this is where I am. I'm not a country boy. I'm not a city boy. I'm a suburb boy. I like to be able to drive to these big stores and have somewhere to park and walk in and get my stuff and leave. I don't know how to do farm stuff, and I don't know how to find, find parking downtown. That's just, I'm a suburb guy. So what do we value in the suburbs? Um, We value convenience. We value safety. And and these things are good things. But when that spills over into our mindset in the spiritual life and we never take a risk for God and, and we never offer ourselves as a sacrifice and we deceive ourselves in our own morality and we are self-righteous and impressed with ourselves. So I want God to take me deeper. And I want him to take you deeper. And I want us to have roots. Because when persecution comes, if we don't have any roots, uh, all of our, our Christianity that's been beneficial and convenient and has actually helped us get promotions and have helped us make sales, that type of Christianity will shrink under persecution. But the scripture tells us, Jesus said through the parables, when you have a root, you're ready. You're ready when the scorching heat comes. You're ready when the next financial downturn comes. You're ready when religious liberties are not given or celebrated. You're ready when you have to make a sacrifice for the gospel. That's, that's why roots are important and depth and maturity. And Beth read the scripture earlier. We won't read it again. Ephesians 3.16 calls us to have roots. 
So all those years ago, I just said, we're going to call that maturity in, in people. We didn't know how that would manifest, and, and we still don't know how that will manifest. But one of the ways it's manifested is in something called Veritas College, which is something that's unexpected, that um, the group of pastors that both myself and Pastor Deborah uh, fellowship with, the Mission Society that we're part of, just pushes this Veritas thing. And so uh, Deborah took it. I did some training in it, but then I didn't really feel called to teach it primarily. So she took it and um, had the first Veritas module and uh, a couple of dozen people showed up and paid money to be part of this. Guys, listen, this, this is just one vehicle, but it's part of the manifestation of saying, hey, we, we want depth. We want self-feeders. <laughs> you know what that means? They'll be like, I'm hanging on until Aaron's next sermon. I mean, I want you to like my preaching. I do. That, that makes me feel good and all that and helps. But, but I want you to feed yourself during the week. Self-feeder. So like we come in here and it's like passion. Like we're built up. We're well-fed. We're ready to go. And then, oh, it's like dessert on Sunday morning, huh? Because we've already been in the Word all week. Veritas, um, anyone can be in Veritas. You don't have to have any formal education. You don't have to have a high school education. Um, Every one of us can start the same, and you'll see there's one starting September 13th, and you can register for that, and why not invest? Guess what it's going to cost you? Time, a few dollars, but that's one of the ways we can receive that depth. Here's three. Develop a community, a family. Develop a community and family. That's what I pray over you guys just, just to reemphasize, like when, when I pray for CIL, this is my list I'm going through. This is not just stuff that we're just finding. I'm like, Lord, let us please you. God, give us RDM, roots and depth and maturity. Um, and now I pray, Lord, let us be a community and a family. So let me talk about you. You need a spiritual family. You need a spiritual family. This is not a speaker's bureau. You don't just show up to hear someone speak. We're part of a family here. And we, we have to develop a family. And, we, you know, we'll take people at whatever level they're at. But if you've been going here two years, three years, four years, five years, come on, enter into the family. Enter into the family. Be, be, part, be part of what the community that God has. Uh, 242 groups will be next Sunday. And they're not perfect. And we're still developing them. But it's a mechanism. It's one of the mechanisms for people to be in a family. Why do we call them 242 small groups based off a scripture called in Acts 242. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, which now is the Bible. Okay. So the Bible wasn't established until about 400 years after this, but now we, it's the apostles teaching. They devoted themselves to the Bible, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I want you to see that word up there the word devoted. I want to I ask you this question. Should you be devoted to your local church? Yes. Should you be devoted to your 242 group? According to this scripture, yes. I mean, there should be, I'm devoted. God's called me here. This is where I'm devoted. And Oh, so much fruit comes from that. Roots are established because of that principle. 
And I believe it's a scriptural principle. I want you to know, know this. I am not devoted to the CIL organization or the CIL brand. I'm, I'm devoted to Tommy and Allison. I'm devoted to Lisa. I'm devoted to Nelson and Sarah. I'm, I'm devoted to Les and Brenda. I'm not devoted to CIL. I'm devoted to the people who are called CIL. We're, we're devoted to one another. God has a spiritual family for you. And this is what we always think. I thought this too. Oh, it's this, there's this perfect community out there that we've not just found. We've not found this perfect community yet. It's, it's out there somewhere. It's like all of these people are waiting for us. We think community's out there, but it's likely already around you. Community is formed by showing up. Community is formed through time and repetition. And community is formed by overcoming adversity. But you never have a chance to overcome adversity if you're never in close proximity to one another. So proud of that men's Bible study that meets every Sunday at 8 a.m. The various women's Bible studies, our greeter team, that's a form of a small group. Uh, There's lots of different, other than 242, there's other ways people are connecting. Man, let's, let's, let's allow God to make us that family. How many know that family isn't perfect? I'm going to say it again. Family isn't perfect. If you want to go to a country club, you can pay your dues. And if you don't like people, you can go to the next one. Or you can leave or whatever the case is. Family just means people are going to get on your nerves. People are going to irritate you. People, listen, if you want to be part of a spiritual family, get ready to be offended. But offense will stop the work of God in you. Offense is a great, great attack against community. Man, just what the Lord says, the Lord's called you to a place. Say, I'm, I'm devoted. I'm sticking it out. I, I'm, 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 there's joy in that long-term devotion. And I'm, I'm speaking to devoted people. So I hope you're encouraged in that. I hope you're encouraged in that. Number four, ignite the next generation. Ignite the next generation. Psalm 71, 18 says, even when I'm old and gray, God, do not abandon me. This, this um, scripture is meaning more and more to me every year. <laughs> it's starting on the edges here, the gray. Man, I would so dye my beard if Beth would let me. I mean, I've looked in the aisle for the stuff you shave in your beard. I don't like this white thing, but she says, I like it. So does it really matter what anyone else thinks, right? Can I get an amen from one person? Oh, you guys like my beard too. Whoa, hey. The community has affirmed the wisdom in my chin. Even when I'm old and gray, God, don't abandon me. While I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, My 19-year-old daughter, Abby, who was part of the worship team, she's on the front row. She volunteered in Connections, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. And that team, if you're you're a leader in Connections, raise your hand. Because I know we have a couple of y'all in here, maybe. 
Yeah, thank you guys. So Connections is our third through fifth grade. And, um, and she was telling us about that morning, and she said, Mom and Dad, those kids know the Bible. And we're like, well, that's awesome. But then she kind of, in a corrective tone, she said, they know it more than we do. I was like, thank you, old wise daughter of 19. <laughs> She's saying that's not how the story went, but it's making for a good sermon. Come on, just, just go with me. Actually, that's how I remember it. You know how stories go. And yeah, you know, uh, our kids had incredible Bible teachers in this church. But to our own admission, Beth and I, we could have done better at home. But we're so proud of them. And the point is this, though. Let's, we want to get better as a faith community, increasing Bible knowledge, increasing the word of God in people's lives, increasing what the Lord does. Psalm 78, verse one through seven says, my people hear my instruction, listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Look at verse, verse uh, three here. Things we have heard and known and that our fathers have passed down to us. We will not hide them from their children, but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his might, and the wondrous works he has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, listen to this, he commanded our fathers to teach their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know that they were to rise and to tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's work, but keep his commands. Oh, that's a powerful, powerful song, isn't it? You are responsible for the Christian education of your children and teenagers. You are. And we, all of us, are responsible for that. Thank you for all the scholarship money. I couldn't believe it. All the money you guys gave to send kids to youth camp. You are doing it. Way to go. But when I pray for you, I pray for, when I pray this prayer for the next generation, it's, it's about your kids and it's about your grandkids. And according to the scripture, it's about your great, great, great grandkids. How many know that when Jesus gets a hold of a family, it's not just a single generation transformation. It's designed to be a multi-generational transformation. God gets a hold of one heart. When God gets a hold of one heart at youth camp, when God gets a hold of one heart at venture, when God gets a hold of one heart at a youth service, at an Awana uh, uh, Bible memorization, when God gets a hold of one heart, we're not just changing one life, we're changing generations behind that life. That's why it's kingdom business. That's why Satan's attacking, attacking children, attacking teenagers, attacking college students. But how many know this is that the one who is within us, the one who is within the scripture is greater than the greatest assault of the enemy. Yes, the darkness may be great and our kids may have great challenges today, but ahead of them is more power, more anointing, more understanding of scripture, more authority in the spirit. Yes, it is a great time to raise a child. It's a great time to raise a teenager because they're going to see more of the manifestations and power of God than they've ever seen before. We've ever seen before. I believe that. Where the darkness is great, the light will be greater. So for your kids, 
Come on, keep talking about the scripture. Keep talking about the Bible. Keep asking them. I mean, keep asking. My, you know, I keep asking my kids, are you doing your devotions? And I say, well, that feels legalistic and that feels like pressure. Yes, it's pressure. I want them to read the Bible. What does it profit a man if his child's a great actor, a great dancer, a great singer, a great athlete, but he or she loses their soul? I seem angry, but I was really happy about that. (laughs) Passionate. Come on. Don't shrink back from rolled eyes in the name of Jesus. Because, Because they'll respond. Well, should I end my sermon or try to squeeze it in? Okay, all right. I'll say this, is the primary purpose of Awana is not to give you extra shopping time or a date night. It exists so your kids can know the word of God. Number five, send us on mission. He's already sent us on mission. Matthew 28, 18, 20, 18 through 20, Jesus said this. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's an anointing on missions work. We're called to strengthen the global church. So I say, let's keep going to Costa Rica. And let's not just be satisfied with there. Let's go to other countries. Let's go to other nations. I say, let's keep on going to Appalachia. Guys, our registration to the Appalachian Mission Trip is rather low this year. And so some of you are resisting God's call to go to that. And I want to tell you something. You need to go, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you vacation time. But you are called to go. Because when we go places, it, it gives us a desire to go in our hearts. Here in the North Nashville region, mission starts here. We live as we go, right here in Sumner County, right here in North Nashville. God's saying, open up your eyes to the harvest fields in Gallatin, Portland, White House, Hendersonville, Goodlettsville, Madison, Nashville. And part of the, one of the reasons we go to Lynch, Kentucky, and we go to Costa Rica, and we'll go to other places, is because it shakes us out of just the repetition of our daily life. And we realize, hey, if I did it for three days, I can do it for 365 days. We are called on mission. So that's what I pray for you. I believe that in the days, of head, uh, days ahead, we have, God has unique opportunities. God has been setting up some things that we can't even, we could not even imagine five, six years ago. Uh, that God is creating, uh, God is showing us creative partnerships because we cannot reach the harvest just as one church. We have to cooperate with his work. And he is calling us to invite people around us. Luke 10, too, tells us that we're to pray uh, not for the harvest, but for workers to go into the harvest. Here's the last thing, number six. I pray this over you. I pray this over you. Release your favor. Release your favor, God. And this is really the heart. This is, this is, this is where I want us all to pray collectively as we go into the day of prayer. I, I just think CIL, we as a people, I mean, we just have so many positive things going for us. I don't have to tell you what those are. There's one thing that, that we need an increase of, an increase of the favor of God. This is a scripture that, that I pray. Psalms 106.4. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to me with your salvation. I love that. Hey, remember me. God, if you're pouring out your favor on the earth, woo, look right here, God. 
Remember me. Remember me. And I, I want to say that communion reminds us that God has already shown us more favor than we could ever ask for through what Jesus did. And so, so part of us is like, how can we ask for more favor, right? What Jesus did through the cross and resurrection, that's more favor than we could ever deserve. And we're gonna spend our whole life reflecting on that and thinking about that. And that's why the table of the Lord brings us back to a Jesus-centered uh, interpretation of the gospel. But, but I do believe this is that God wants to increase favor on our lives in tangible ways here on this earth. I just believe that for you. God wants to send his favor on your work. He wants to send his favor on your relationships. He wants to send more of his favor on, on, um, on the dreams that are in your heart. God wants to send more of his favor on your health. I just believe that. I just, the full scope of scripture. I've just seen how God favors people and he favors people. And so this, this verse says, remember me, Lord, when you show favor. Remember me, Lord. Remember me. Don't overlook me. And we've already been favored by the work of Jesus. But the question is this, are we ready to receive the favor of the Lord in new levels? Because the prayer, the heart of the prayer is not so much, Lord, send your favor. The heart of the prayer, I believe, is this. Lord, prepare me to receive your favor. Come on, prepare me to receive your favor so, so that I can handle your overwhelming blessing, so that I can handle it when you tell me to go, so that I can handle it when you tell me, God, when you give me more resources and I don't just squander it on my selfish desires, that, that I'm letting the Holy Spirit take control of my money, the Holy Spirit take control of my entertainment, the Holy Spirit taking control of, of what I read and what I watch and what I listen to. Oh, this is sounding old-fashioned, right? Now, now, now I'm getting it. I'm stepping on toes now. I'm stepping on toes. Even that, even that you can't even talk about something like that. People are like, you're legal. Yeah, you know, and we're running from that. No, this is a gentle Holy Spirit saying, come on, I, I want every part of you. I want every part of you. Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I'm praying this. I'm praying these things over you. But now I want us to pray together this last part of this message that, Lord, give us your favor, Lord. And, and we say that under the filter. We've already received all the favor anyone could ask for through Jesus. But Lord, in this, in this life we have to live here, in the space between now and eternity, God, we want our lives to count. We want our lives to make a difference. We want to uh, have the touch of the Holy Spirit, not just on our Sunday mornings, not just on our 242 times, not just on our Bible studies. We want the touch of the Holy Spirit 24 hours, seven days a week, at all places, at all times that we say the reign of the Holy Spirit is coming. Heaven's touching earth. We're not living in our own desires. We're not living in our own strength. We are truly living sacrifices. So the Lord's saying, I want to give you my favor. I want to pour out my favor, but do you really want my favor? Do you really want my favor? Let's just begin to ask that. Father, we just pray, Lord, that we would be a prepared people, ready for the master's service, God. Lord, we submit our hearts to you, Jesus. Lord, we know, God, that, Lord, in, in our own ability, in our own strength we have measured short but God by your grace and by you choosing us and by you initiating God your love towards us and by you giving us the ability to say yes to the things of God in our lives Lord Lord we're asking Lord that you would position us for new favor in the Lord and I'm praying for you right now I'm not just praying for for us as an organization I'm praying for you right now can you believe that the Lord is going to send new favor on your life what does that mean to you come on let the Holy Spirit begin to teach you what does new favor mean in your life some of you you just need 
the, the heart of your spouse to turn back to you. And the Lord says, I wanna give you my favor in that area. I wanna give you my favor in that area. Some of you have rebellious children and we just need to say that the Lord just needs to show his favor. You cannot say enough, do enough, position that child enough for the transformational work of God. But you could say, Lord, send your favor on this relationship. Send your favor on this child. I'm believing for some of you for a change in financial momentum. And like, like where there's lack, let the Lord just says that there could be a surplus. He, he, he wants to prepare you for that surplus so that you wouldn't squander it, so you wouldn't waste it, so you wouldn't just start skipping church because you have money to travel more. Then you wouldn't start pulling back from service to the kingdom because you have more options. Instead, you're going to take those resources and you're going to sow into the kingdom and you're going to be a person of generosity and you're going to be a person who's moving towards a debt-free life. This is part of the favor of the Lord. He wants to give you favor, but do you want to receive the favor? He wants to bless you, but are you ready for the blessing? Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Come on, pray with me. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would send your blessing and your reign and your favor so that we would receive every single thing that you have for us, Lord. Lord, that we would not fall short in any place and in any way and to your glory and to your name. Lord, we pray that on in our individual lives and we thank you for that. I'm gonna give us a couple of minutes to just respond to the Lord as Aubrey leads us in worship. Pastor Deborah will be offering uh, communion by intention. If you're visiting with us, you can come to the center and you take the bread and dip it in the cup as she presents it to you. Or you can come to the left or to the right or to the back and you can take the bread and you can take the cup and you can take that when your heart is ready. And I won't give further instructions on this particular Sunday. You could take communion when you're ready. And then just in a couple of minutes, it won't be long, I'm going to come and we're going to have a closing prayer where we're going to come into agreement for what God wants to do among us as a church family. Father, we commit these elements to you. The bread, your body, the cup, your blood, the presence of the Lord that is in those elements. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would move upon us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The table of the Lord is open to you.